1: Trick-or-treat, everybody. Uh, Mostly treats with me or tricks with me, treats with our guests. And that will be the case with the next person we have joining us as I come to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios when you need certainty in the home-buying process with a loan that fits your life. Rocket can. She rockets through all sports in Boston. Columnist from the Boston Globe, Tara Sullivan. Goodness, give us a couple minutes of her time here tonight. Tara Jody Mack here. How are you?
2: I'm good, thank you. How are you?
1: Good. My pleasure. Thank you very much. I hope you have had a happy Halloween. So
2: far, so good. Well,
1: as I mentioned, tricks and treats, I guess there's a whole bunch of tricks coming down because I checked your Twitter feed to see if there was anything specific you've been writing on of late and uh, give you a chance to speak out on that. And I see most of what you've been doing the last couple of days has had to do with the University University of Massachusetts tennis team. And they're handling by the NCAA. I will be quite honest. I don't know anything about it. How is the NCAA stranglehold uh, UMass's tennis program?
2: Well, this is great because a lot of people don't know about it, and, and that's understandable. It's UMass tennis. It's not right. a power five school. It's not a big program. But I have to say, I've been doing this job for 25-plus years, and I think it's the most egregious case of overreach I've seen on the part of the NCAA,
1: and really who's
2: at fault is the part of the NCAA that's known as the Committee on Infractions that, you know, comes down and makes these decisions. So, ultimately, the short story is UMass, UMass, as an institution, self-reported some oversights they found in their financial aid packages, and it included... 12 different athletes, 10 of whom were men's basketball players, two of whom were women's tennis players. The total amount of overpayment for some housing stuff amounted to about $9,000. Of that $9,252 of it was mistakenly given to two women's tennis players. It involved, of all things, an off campus phone jack, which the two roommates, which they were roommates, didn't even know the apartment had, but would have been part of a, you know, just something that got direct deposited into their accounts. They had no idea. The coach had no idea. And in the end, they were stripped of three years of Atlantic 10 victories, including in the third year, uh, sorry, in the middle year, an Atlantic 10 championship. And in that championship, which was coached by their longtime coach, Judy Dixon, who had been there for 25 years. She's an historic figure. She retired after that. So it was this absolute fairy tale story. And now it's been completely tainted over a $252 self-reported clerical error in which UMass Invited the NCAA in for some guidance and ended up um, losing all of this, all of these records. And in the end, the reason I mentioned the Committee on Infractions is that UMass, in the self-reporting, actually was negotiating with um, with the NCAA and on the with the infractions committee. Uh, you know, the regular, sorry, the compliance, and they came to an agreement, which was just a probation and a fine, which seemed fair to both sides. I still think it was not necessary, but seemed fair. And then this committee on infractions, which has to sign off on it, said, no, we'll only we will impose anyway the vacation of the records and title. So I just think it's egregious.
1: Egregious is one very accurate word to describe it. If they got that kind of penalty for 200 and change on a phone jack. What kind of penalty did the other sports get, who uh, you mentioned the figure of $9,000? Sounds like they had a lot more issues to deal with. What were the other penalties involved? Well,
2: yeah, I mean, the basketball team also lost victories, but it just it doesn't feel, at, quite honestly, it just doesn't feel as outrageous. I still think it's absurd overreach and I, because of everything that went into how this even came about. But I think the women's tennis angle of it, to me, is – just the most infuriating because there was there was just so much at stake that got stripped away in my opinion for just absolutely no reason and really i think that's the small picture which in umass's world matters the most but in the big picture what is the incentive to self-report like umass was trying to do the right thing admitted a mistake you know did a clerical review found this and and admittedly found it too late which if they had found it during the season it happened they would have made restitution. It never would have been an issue. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. But they've been completely upfront and honest about the whole thing. So what is the incentive to self-report? Like, all the NCAA, to me, tells you is that your best strategy is, you know, obscure, obfuscate, be stubborn, delay, 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 because you'll just eventually wear them out and not get punished at all. And meanwhile, this glorious, you know, tennis team with this fairy tale story um, is now, you know, fighting to restore its reputation because in the language of the NCAA agreement, it says things like improper benefits and competitive advantage and it's utter crap. Like <laughs> none of that. It makes it sound like, it makes it sound like they were getting these luxury apartments and they use this as a recruiting right, you know, advantage and all this. And it's just garbage. None of that happened. It was, uh, like I said, a landline phone jack that existed in the on campus housing and was just an automatic part of, scholarship reimbursement. These two students happened to move off campus so that they wouldn't have been entitled to that thing and and mistakenly got it anyway, like I said, and they didn't even have any clue. I mean, they couldn't even buy a tennis racket for that amount of money.
1: That you know, answer. it's
2: just to me. Oh, it's beyond, you can tell. I could go on forever.
1: <laughs> we we appreciate your passion, uh me being the cynic that I am, I would say Self-reporting to me to the NCAA means you're basically caught and you're just confirming that the punishment is going to hit you, not, ooh, we snuck but past a phone jack for 200 and change.
2: I know. And even in the self-reporting, like, you know what happened? They hired a new basketball coach, right? And in going over some stuff with the new guy, he the new coach actually had a legitimate question. Hey, my guys were saying they got some tickets to an on-campus concert. I don't know if that was a violation or not. Can we find out? So as it turned out, It was not a violation because these free tickets were available to all students, so it wasn't like an improper advantage. But in the course of that, they had asked the NCAA for some guidance, and then the NCAA said, well, do a whole review now. So in the, you know what I mean? So in the course of the review, which came out of not even having committed a violation, they, they found this oversight, you know, in the overpayment, and then the NCAA now, because they already have their foot in the door, their nose in the, in the joint or whatever, you know, ended up extracting out this ridiculous payment from it like I just like I said I find the whole thing egregious in these my COVID, favorite word for the situation in these <laughs>
1: COVID times you would think the NCAA would have bigger fish to fry than yeah phone yep. jacks. well I
2: just look at the men's basketball trials that are going on in New York City for like bags of cash and talking on tape about buying players and tell me that this is what what they need to be concerned about.
1: Tara Sullivan of the Boston Globe, our guest here on uh, CBS Sports Radio. All right. Uh, Everything not good in the western side of the state where UMass is. And and the eastern side, not so much in the western side where the Patriots are these days. (laughs) Uh, Not even in Massachusetts, slightly below. Uh, But you get the drift. Two and four. My, how the mighty have fallen as quickly Um Give me the pulse of the Patriot fan. Before we start specifics on the team, what is it like in Boston these days for a Patriot fan to not have the team that's going to coast to a divisional championship, another playoff appearance, maybe another Super Bowl ring? Now you're just fighting for mediocrity at this point. Still a lot to go, but two and four is two and four. What's it sound like in Boston sports these days with the Patriots?
2: Yes, I mean, it's a very uncomfortable, unnatural, unusual experience. I mean, there are Patriots fans, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 years old, who have never known anything different than, you know, winning the AFC East or, or being, the be- you know, among the best teams in the NFL. Very uncomfortable times. I can't say they're shocked because anybody paying attention, you know, to the way last year ended and, Brady's departure and the playoff loss and some of the personnel changes, you know, probably expected some downturn. But then you throw in COVID, you have a lot of, you know, they have the the league high in opt-outs. The roster then, you know, is not as deep as it should be. And then they have injuries. And then, you know, they add Cam Newton late. And so maybe whatever. So very uncomfortable times, I would say, and unusual. And they don't like it one bit.
1: Understood. Uh, And I don't understand Quarterback play with the Patriots. First things first, Cam comes out first couple of weeks, looks like an MVP candidate. <laughs> then he goes down, COVID issues, injury issues. Understandably, those who step in, not near as good, Stidham and Hoyer. But then Cam comes back, and he's as bad as not, if not worse than what Stidham and Hoyer did the couple of weeks holding up the belt till he came back and took it. What the hell is wrong with the quarterback position in New England?
2: Oh, it's not good. I mean, their offensive line has undergone incredible uh, turnover, you know, between opt-outs and injuries. um, They've had a lot of issues there. You know, the same thing that drove Brady out, or one of the things that drove him out of town is, you know, and the lack of playmaking talent around is certainly still an issue for Cam. And then I'm not convinced that Cam, you know, really wasn't set back by COVID. I know he said he feels okay, but the timing is impossible to ignore, he has not looked like the same quarterback since coming back. And when we talked to him during the week, you know, he admitted to kind of overthinking, not playing instinctively, because it is a very complicated playbook and you're still kind of, you know, you want you want to be natural in your reads and your reactions, but it just doesn't always happen that way. So I do think that's been his emphasis all week is get out of your own head and just and just play a little more. But um there's a lot of questions at the position, no doubt.
1: Belichick made a statement this week in asking Patriots 2-4, excuse me, uh, and he decided to lean on cap problems that the team has. They didn't have the flexibility to be able to replace some of the players they were missing because of the cap situation they were in. Is that legit analysis or just stone-cold sore loser?
2: <laughs> Can we say a little column A, a little column B? I mean, it is, you know, they've they've had a lot of... High-priced players over the years. You stay at the top of the league. You're gonna, you know, you're gonna have cap issues. I mean, you're, you're you've spent your money, but at the same time, I think the opt-out part of it is just something we can forget sometimes because it happened in the off-season and essentially, you know, those players are just out of sight, out of mind. Um, but it affected the depth of their roster for sure. And then you just don't have that flexibility or it's last minute. And who are you adding at that point? That's going to make a big difference. So, I mean, I think there's a little bit of both um, excuse making looking for it, but it's also to some degree, you know, reasonable explanations for what's going on.
1: Is there a chance at some point during this season, it will come to the fact that, well, we might as well find out what we have mm-hmm. with Jarrett Stidham. And uh, he is the guy who actually takes over and quarterbacks, two games, four games, six uh-huh. games, depending on the one-loss record. Is this an inevitability with New England this year?
2: Well, it's a definite possibility. There's no doubt about that because if even if they lose this weekend and you start going south and maybe, the, you know, if they lose this weekend and then they're sellers at the trade deadline and then, you know, things like, you know, they, they start trading away the Gilmores or, you know, people like that. I mean, what, what, what are you trying to – learn from newton anymore at that point right like you might as well find out what stidham has if anything so i don't know if it's inevitable if they win this weekend and they stay in the hunt in the afc race there's no doubt their chances are better with cam um i think it it wouldn't happen until they were sort of you know out of real or you know legitimate contention for a playoff spot um but if they are in any way out of contention i would think it makes sense to go to
1: We're talking to Tara Sullivan, columnist for the Boston Globe, here with us on CBS Sports Radio. Speaking of winning the game this week, in the last 20 meetings, excuse me, 20 years, 40 meetings between the Bills and the Patriots, wins five, losses 35 for Buffalo. <laughs> However, this is not your I father's... So it's because, right?
2: Doesn't he have more wins... Like in Buffalo, than any Buffalo coach has in
1: that span. Well, it's I no, I, I I actually think I, think it was, it? I think was I think was Brady had more wins in no, Buffalo. No, but I
2: think Belichick is the winningest coach up there as well. Is He's that the winningest
1: bad? coach. Okay, oh, that is crazy, anyway, that is pretty sad. And, sorry, anyways, these,
2: to interrupt you, but yeah, it's crazy.
1: That's okay. the These are not your father's Patriots, and these are not even your father's Bills. Over the last twenty years, the Bills come in at five and two, the Patriots are two and four. That's a pretty significant difference. Does that domination of the last two decades mean anything for tomorrow's game?
2: Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I do think, I, I I believe in some kind of like a mental edge, of, you know, a confidence just walking in there, the Devin McCourties and the Matthew Slater's, these guys who have been on the Patriots for, for this long and, and just know what it's like. Now, part of that was, you know, being able to withstand the crazy Buffalo crowds and all that, which is, of course another strange aspect of this whole season, right? No fans really in that, at that element not being there. Um, I, I do think it gives them some confidence, but I think you're right. You know, these are two franchises trending in opposite directions right yep. now. You know, the the Bills are a young, talented team with a pretty deep roster, and, you know, listen, they haven't won a thing, so until they win something, you know, I'm not going to believe that they're they're taking over from what the Patriots did, but they certainly are better positioned right now you just said it look at their records and you know and what they've done so far however the bills haven't looked quite as good in the last two games so i do think it, it sets up as a very fascinating matchup because the patriots are desperate they know they have to win and the bills have faltered a little bit in those last two games as good as they have been you know in their personnel so i think it should be a really good game
1: all right last thing tara are the is the boston globe still picking up to charge for your phone jack at your house
2: I am. I have to admit, I have given up on the landline.
1: <laughs> so, so, so
2: I am not being overcharged for my my Globe landline.
1: <laughs> good for you. We appreciate you coming on. Thanks for giving us the insight on the uh, Manhattan, the, the Massachusetts tennis scandal. That is a story worth finding out more about. Thanks for the Patriot insight.
2: All right, thank you,
1: Tyra Sullivan, columnist for the Boston Globe, be with us on CBS Sports Radio, Patriots Bills. It's a different matchup forever. Every single year, you start okay. Well, the Patriots are going to beat the Bills twice. They're going to beat the Jets twice. they will probably beat the Dolphins twice. That's not the case anymore. Patriot fans, your chance to get involved here. Do you still trust in Bill? Uh, and that was a very diplomatic answer. Tara gave me about uh, a little bit of both. I thought it was stone cold sore loser. Even if it's uh, partial, 90-10, uh, Bill didn't break it down as ninety ten. It made it sound like the main reason the Patriots are 2-4 and four is, well, they just got stuck by the salary cap. Think again, coach. I get on my phone lines. We'll get them reopened here, 855-212-4227. Join the Mac man on CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.
0: Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue.